The Power of the Word is brought to you each week by the support of our partners and friends. Today on Power of the Word. Well, I have a friend at the grocery store. I have a friend at the car wash. I have a friend here, 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 here. Well, that's okay, and you can be friendly with lots of people, but sometimes it's overused to the point where the word friend becomes diminished. Now, that's why God said to Abraham he was a covenant friend, different type of friend. Amen. God loves the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he's not friends with the whole world. Because not everybody's in that relationship with him. If your whole life could be summed up in just one verse of the Bible, would you want to know what that verse is? In this stirring message, Dr. Ed King dives into a deep revelation of Philippians 4.13. There's significant meaning found in each and every word, all of which applies to your life and purpose. To receive this message as a downloadable MP3 for $3 or on CD for $7, please visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 800-956-4433. Discover all that God has for you, the destiny He has in store, and how you can tap into it with this one verse. I'm going to talk to you about friends who needs them. We've been talking about friendship. You know, we talk about being a friend of God and we've been talking about being friend to one another and they're kind of together because he said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. So you can't be a friend of God if you're not a friend to others. That's just the way it works. You know, you remember we talked about the horizontal and the vertical and they go together. And, uh, but we didn't plan this. This little subject was not in relationship necessarily to the small groups, but it's certainly a fit. Everybody say a fit. Yes. Well, friends, who needs them? That's a good question, isn't it? Short answer, we all do. And we all want friendships. We all should want friendships. Isolation is never the will of God for you. It, it won't do you any good. Uh, now, there's times that you need to be still and know that I'm God. There's times for being alone. You can be alone without being lonely. There's a difference. Alone is a choice sometimes we make to be with God. But loneliness is, is very, very, very diabolical. And it's evil in what it does to us, what it does to the human psyche. It's not good. Not good. You hear me? Loneliness is not good. Say that. Now, in Proverbs... 18 and 24, and we've read this verse a number of times going through this little teaching that we've been in. You know, really, I, I, I began, you know, a few weeks ago now to talk to you about friendship, being a friend of God and a covenant friend and all that. But I really had not even planned on this being a series, just some things we'd just talk about and then move along to something else. But it's kind of grown, grown in me. Then when it grows in me, then I bring more to you. Is that all right? But in Proverbs 18 and 24, and the King James says it this way, If a, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now this friend, of course, that sticks closer than a brother. We talk about the word friend in the Bible. Abraham was called the friend of God. 
And that word friend in the book of James is capitalized, so that's a covenant friend. It's more than just a friend friend. And there are different, re- there, there are different types of friends. There are different levels of friendship. Friend, the word friend is like the word love. It can be used uh, in a, well, overused in the capacity that it diminishes its, its real uh, importance. You know, I'm, I, I love my new suit. I love my car. I love pizza. You know, I love God. Well, there's different levels of that. And love for God is deeper, obviously, than the others. And so sometimes we use words and they diminish in their importance because of how we use them. And friend is one of those things. Well, I have a friend at the grocery store. I have a friend at the car wash. I have a friend here, 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 here. Well, that's okay, and you can be friendly with lots of people, but sometimes it's overused to the point where the word friend becomes diminished. Now, that's why God said to Abraham he was a covenant friend, different type of friend. Amen? God loves the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he's not friends with the whole world. Because not everybody's in that relationship with him. You follow me? Some of those people that he loves curse him. They defy him. They would abuse him if they could. So he's certainly not friends with them. So the word friend becomes, the more we understand it, the more sacred it becomes. And the more sacred it becomes, the more responsibility that it has. We have responsibilities in those relationships. Amen. And especially if they're covenant friendships. You remember Jesus again referring to Judas. When Judas betrayed him, the very night that he betrayed him, he broke covenant with him and and made another covenant for those 30 pieces of silver. He came to Jesus with his group and betrayed him with a kiss. And Jesus said, would you Betray me with a kiss, friend. And that word friend is capitalized. Jesus maintained covenant with him all the way to the end. He gave Judas one more chance to repent. And Judas didn't take it. Jesus didn't do it. Diabolical evil. Amen. And so, uh, again, friends who need them, needs them, we all do. And in a lot of our... Um, well, I'll call it success motivational teaching. Not necessarily... Uh, church-related teaching or things like that. It's not necessarily wrong or bad. But a lot of our secular teaching out here talks about this, this principle of you get back out of society what you put in. And so they'll use even, secular teachers will use this, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Well, I believe that. I believe that you have to do your part in relationships. I think the responsibility does fall on us before it falls on another because you can't control what the other person does. The only one you can control is you. Amen. So we have some responsibilities. And uh, however, in reality, that's not what that verse really conveys. It deals with the cheapness of relationships more than just having multiple relationships. And you can see that from the Amplified Bible. It says, the man of too many friends chosen indiscriminately will be broken in pieces and come to ruin. So what he's saying is friendships are sacred enough. You have to honor and you can't overdo it. Now, what do I mean? That means you can be friendly with a lot of people, but 
friendships are, are, are sacred to the point when we bring them to us, we need to show the honor that would go with it. And you can't give your heart away too quickly. That's what he's talking about indiscriminately. To be a friend without tr testing, trying, proving a relationship will cause you heartache. You can't trust before it's time. Don't tell your secrets to a gossip. You get what I'm saying? The Bible says a, a, a whisperer separates chief friends. You tell people things that they are not entitled to know. They shouldn't know. And they can hurt you with it. And all of us probably had some experience with that in one form or another. If you've lived on this planet very long, you've had a lot of these things happen to you. And so uh, if we're going to have friends, of course, it does start with us. But it, at the same time, we have to do it with discretion. Again, a man of too many friends chosen indiscriminately, without any discretion, will be broken in pieces and come to ruin. But there is a true loving friend who is reliable and sticks closer than a brother. Of course, that's Jesus. But I believe that there are friends that you can have. You'll never have one as close as him. But I believe there are friends that you can have that are sacred relationships. And it's been said, if, if you have as many as three in a lifetime, uh, you're rare. Some people never find that true friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, because, because there's things that make a friendship real. Amen. And so um, if we're going to at least hang the sign out of, you know, I'm friendly, we have, to, we have to put that sign out first before there's any opportunity to even test a relationship. And when I say test, I'm not talking about, well, uh, let's see if you measure up, you know, one, they pass that test Two, they, pass, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the thing that begins to happen almost without definition. There is something that causes you to connect. There's something that comes at a different level. Uh, some have said friends are born, not made. I don't fully believe that, but I do believe that there is an indefinable quality that allows friendship to develop. There's some people you just can't, you know, the gears won't mesh. No matter how hard you try, they just won't, they're not going to mesh. But then other people, you think the gears will mesh, and if you try too hard, you'll destroy the relationship. Trying too hard to have a friendship will drive a person away from you. You can't smother a relationship to have one. And the more you want it, the less likely you are to get it. Why do I say that? Because you're willing to compromise yourself to get it. And a relationship that's valid given to you by the Lord will not require you to compromise yourself. Now that doesn't mean that you don't put your best foot forward it doesn't mean that you don't do your best to, you know, be courteous and use manners and all the things that are important in a relationship. You got to put the best foot forward if you're going to have a relationship. You're going to act like you respect it enough to do that. If you don't respect it enough to, to do that, you probably don't deserve it. 
well, they've just got to accept me the way I am. No, they don't. No, they really don't. Not at all. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to do anything. And when we respect one another, respect the dignity of another person, there's more likely a relationship can develop. The Bible says one thing about love, and you, you read this in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and if you read it from a number of translations, Amplified Living Number, one of the things that uh, it talks about love, one of the definitions of it, or one of the shades of it, shades of meaning of it, is love is not rude or unmannerly. So if we don't respect a relationship enough to have manners in it and treat it with proper dignity, you don't deserve it. Well, they just have to, I'm just going to be who I am. Well, that may not work. At least before they're entitled to see that part of you. Now over time, things become more appropriate over time. Uh, I know when Nora and I first started dating, I'm not going to let her see me when I first get out of bed. Why? Well, that's not your best. You're not at your best at that moment in time. You know, over time now it happens. But, you know, so you just begin to be who you are a little more. But people have learned to embrace that. But that's, that's a growth process. And we have to know how that works. Amen. And so if we try to go too far before we can, we'll damage or destroy the relationship. And I know a lot of young people are looking for authenticity in relationship. And that's a, that's a buzzword. And I believe relationships need to be authentic and need to be honest. But they just got to take me the way I am. They won't take you the way you are. Well, I'm going to go apply for a job and I'm just going to be myself. Well, you won't get the job. At least dress like you want it. We were talking to a person hiring the other day. He just, just came out talking to us. And, and we were at a restaurant, and he runs it, and on and on and on. He was talking about the person who came for a job. He said, I thought they'd at least wear a decent shirt. He said, they just come in, you know, with old, you know, stretched out neck on a T-shirt. And, you know, and it's just, just not even caring. Well, he didn't get the job. But see, that's the society that we live in to a degree. And, and you do that to your own harm. You, 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 well, the, well, I got a right. Well, you do have the right. I just hope you have the smart. You know, act like you at least want the job. Show, show yourself worthy of it. Amen. We have this wonderful opportunity that God has provided us through the television, satellites, and all the things that we do to reach you. But it is an expensive proposition to come to you. And we do it for you. We don't do it for money. We don't do it for any of those reasons. We do it for you. But it takes money to do it. You can have money and have no ministry, but you can't have ministry when you have no money. We appreciate you being willing to partner with, uh, with us here at Power of the Word through your giving and through your prayers because you are making it happen. Of course, the Lord, but He uses people just like you. And so prayerfully consider being a part 
of this team here at Power of the Word through your prayers and through your financial giving. And we certainly would appreciate it. And we thank God for you. You see over here in Proverbs 13, 20, it says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of a fool shall be destroyed. So if we want friends, then who are we to have as friends? Well, the Bible says to you have wise people as friends. You don't choose the wrong friends. It's been said, show me the books you read and the friends you have, and I show you who you're going to be in a year. Show me the books you read and the friends you have, and I'll tell you who you'll be in a year. Because you will become like what you associate with. Exactly. Well, you know, I, they're, they're, I'm trying to help them up. Well, they won't, you won't help them up. They'll help you down. Now, I know that we do handouts for people. And when I say handouts, I'm not talking about giving away things. I'm talking about handout, you know, hand up. We help people come up. I got that. But there's a difference between being a benevolent hand upper and associating as a peer. There's a huge difference. There's certain people that I'll do certain things for, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to hang with them. Well, are you too good? Well, you want the short answer? Yeah. I'm not too good as far as God's love or Jesus caring and all that. I'm not too good in that way. But there are some people I'm not associating with because I can't afford what it'll do. I can't afford the price I'll have to pay to have it. So you don't do it. Your friends will determine who you become. So friends are important, but you got to choose the right ones. And, and again, remember something about those friendships. You say, well, I want to be involved in that crowd over there. Well, sometimes those crowds are cliques. I'm not talking about trying to be a part of the in crowd. I'm not talking about that. Because sometimes the in crowd is really with God, the out crowd. Because there can be a lot of pride in that. There can be a lot of ego, a lot of put downs, a lot of those things. So I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about there are people who are worthy, genuinely worthy, of friendship, and you got to determine who they are, and it takes some work to do that. And just because a person is in the right club or in the right society or has the right, you know, admiration society around them, uh, that doesn't mean that's who you need to be with. Friendship is sacred, it's holy, much more important than that kind of thing. Amen. I said, Amen. And so the message Bible in Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way. It says, become wise by walking with wise, with the wise, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. You want me to read that again? <laughs> Somebody said no. <laughs> you must have had a bad experience. <laughs> oh, man. Proverbs 13, 20, the message. 
Become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools, and watch your life fall to pieces. So you choose poorly, and it'll cost you. There are price tags attached to it. And so uh, you choose as friends people that are worthy of friendship. And they should be looking for the same thing in you. Now, not I think that sometimes in relationships, the expectations have to be put to the side. Expect nothing, be thankful for everything. If you expect more out of a relationship than is doable for the other person, you're going to be disappointed and all you're going to do is get mad or hurt. You see unrequited love in couples. She wants him, he doesn't want her, or vice versa. And then everybody gets hurt. Expect nothing, be thankful for everything. Because if your expectations are realistic, when the relationship begins to be given to you, then you'll be thankful for it. But if you expect it and don't get it, all you'll do is get angry. It happens in church all the time, guys. I thought somebody would give me attention that I didn't get. I thought somebody would do something for me. I was expecting something. Well, when we come to the Lord, you know, the Bible tells us to be careful to not take the chiefest seat. Because there may come somebody in who's more important than you and say, you know, you're going to have to give up your seat and move back a row or two. So you're only, it only works when you're invited up. It's the only way it works. To do it just because of pushing and shoving, you won't like it if you get it. Are you home? This is pretty good teaching, to be honest with you. Amen. Uh, a quote, this is from Tayase. You know him? Neither do I. But uh, anyway, he's probably not from around here. Uh, it says, life is partly what we make it and partly what is made by the friends we choose. That's a good quote, isn't it? Life is partly what we make it and partly what is made by the friends we choose. And that's really true. Uh, usually, if, if God's going to take you to a higher level in Him, He will usually introduce you to somebody that knows Him better than you do. That's the whole thing of discipling. The whole thing of we call mentoring. That's one of those misused phrases that goes on all the time. The Bible says, uh, Paul t talked about being a father in the faith. He said, you have many... Um, you have many instructors, but you don't have many fathers in the faith. And so there's a lot of people who will offer mentoring relationships to you. And a mentor is somebody who knows something about something you don't know. If you want to learn how to work on a car, don't call your pastor to be your mentor. Go to the garage and hang out. Go where they do that sort of thing. You follow me? So a mentor can be, you can have many mentors in your life or instructors in your life at various levels, depending on what you need, you know, but that does not make a single solitary one of them a father in the faith. 
Are you home? So they're different. They're distinctly different. And we need to know that. And a father in the faith is not necessarily your mentor. Even though they may impart to you, they impart to you an anointing. That doesn't mean they go out to eat with you every day. And if you're going to have a mentor, guess who's got to pursue? You, not them. A mentor that has to pursue you or tie you down to teach you is cheap. And you don't respect a relationship enough. So you won't receive from them. If you're not willing to invest in it, you're not entitled to get the instruction. Uh, 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 uh. Well, they should, they should, they ought, they ought. No, you should, you should, you ought, you ought. And if you don't care about it enough to go get it, you don't care enough. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Whose responsibility is that? Well, I'm not going to invest in getting Bible teaching. I'm not going to invest in tapes and books and all that. Well, then you don't deserve it. If you don't care enough to invest in it, you don't care enough to get it. Well, I want somebody to give me, I want the church to give me stuff. Really? If you don't invest enough in it to go get it, you don't care enough. You know, so many times we think about God in this elusive, far off, never can find him place out in the eons of forever out there somewhere. But the whole concept of God who sent his son to be one of us, that he could receive us to himself, that's the salvation message. That's what Jesus did at Calvary. Some have said God's all-inclusive. He needs nothing from anyone. And certainly that would be true. He's not gonna go hungry, he's certainly not broke. We don't mean it that way. But there was something lacking in God that could only be fulfilled by a relationship with his creation, his man, people. God wants us to come into a relationship with him, to be friends of God, not just afraid of him, not just in awe of him, we are we are fearful in a respectful way. We are awestruck by His ma majesty, but God wants to bring us into a friend relationship, which is one of the most awesome things that we could ever think of. Almost it seems too good to be true that He would invite us in, but He does. And that's the amazing thing. And that's what Jesus went to Calvary for, to give us entrance to the Father to give us a relationship that we could be close to Him. To be a friend of God is the greatest invitation that anybody has ever been given, and He offers it to each of us. You can receive that right now by praying a simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I take you right now as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you, to serve you, today and forever. Sin, Satan, I don't serve you. Jesus, I make you and only you 
the Lord of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer, that's the entrance into a friendship with God. That friendship is developed in time, through scripture, through prayer, through fellowship. God bless you. Enjoyed being with you. Look forward to our next time together.